God, as we've said earlier, we believe uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and it's not just a belief that we've worked ourselves into. Uh, we believe it is a uh, fact of reality. Um, it's real that He's here. He speaks. He challenges us. He teaches us. He comforts us. He corrects us. Um, and whatever His work is needed in each of our lives today, would you help us? Would you give us ears to hear uh, what He has to say to us today? And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to put something on the screen that I think is going to get a reaction out of some of you. All right? And don't, don't say what it is. How many, how many actually know what this is? Oh, wow. Okay. How many have no clue and really don't care? All right. How many of you absolutely hated high school mathematics? Thank you. I was a high school math teacher at one time. I'm not offended, though. All right. What is this called? This is the... Quadratic formula. Thank you, Algebra 1 and Algebra 2 students here. Some of you look at that, and your first reaction, apart from distaste and nauseousness, is, that's not me. That's not about me. That's not for me. Um, I don't relate to that. When I used to teach high school algebra, kids would always raise their hand with situations like this, and they would say, Mr. Nussbaum, when will we ever use this in real life. And I usually said, unless you're going to be an engineer or an astronaut or, you know, deep the mathematics of financial world, probably not. But I'd always tell them, but you're training yourself to think in a logical, systematic way that will help you do everything in life. And they're like, yeah, yeah, right, sure, whatever, you know. But their, their typical response, as, as is yours, is, okay, that's... I'll do it if I have to get the points for the test. But frankly, the real understanding of that is going to be left for those who, the special people, those kind of people, engineers, etc., etc. Anybody use this in the last year of their work? Just curious. Okay, we got a couple hands. Yeah, those are the engineers. Uh, all right. All right, so that's now. Let me put something else on the screen. It's going to get a reaction from some of you, too. All right, fasting. Some of you have a similar reaction, not in terms of nauseousness, although maybe hunger pains are the flip side of that, but the reaction is, that's not for me. That's for people who are the special kind of spiritual people. Uh, Mother Teresa, yeah, she fasts. She fasted. Um, monks live in caves. People that have, you know, theological degrees. Um, people that see dead people or whatever the movies that line up. You know, people that... But it's not for me. Because I don't see how that applies to what my life is now. Not only my life as a person, but life in following Christ. And it seems like it's something that maybe isn't all that important for me. And we have this sense of this, just like the quadratic formula, our reaction is, well, that's not for ordinary people, that's for the special people. Sometimes we look at things like this, and fasting is something we're going to be talking about today, and we think that's not, for, that's not for ordinary people, that's for special people. And I want to explode that myth because fasting is for every one of us. And this is not a, going to be about guilt or condemnation today. It's going to be a challenge. Um, I'm basically going to challenge all of us to consider a fasting experiment. All right? Um, because I think there's something that it will unlock, something that could unlock something in your own life of what God wants to release. Again, this is not about legalism. This is not about uh, you have to do this. It's not about earning points with God. 
but let me go to the next slide here. Here's, here's the challenge. I'm going to challenge you. This is September 2009 uh, calendar. So September starts what? Nine days from now? Ten days from now? I'm going to challenge you to consider picking one day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and for the whole month of September, to some degree, fast. Now, I will note that Tuesday and Wednesday have five days in September, so you may want to avoid those days. Or you can choose to take a, uh, you know, a wild card on one of those days and eat till your heart's content. I don't care how you do it. But the point is, whether you, some people may want to fast for a meal, some may want to fast for 24 hours. Some may want to just fast from certain kinds of food. Maybe certain kinds of things, you know. Some of you, maybe a coffee fast is the most challenging thing you could ever do in your whole life, you know. But I want you to, I want you to be thinking now. You've got 10 days. I want you to be thinking now. I'm just going to challenge you to take that as an experiment. So for four consecutive weeks, pick a day. And on that day, you're going to um, choose to some degree to avoid food, pleasant drink for a meal, two meals, three meals, 24 hours, however you, and those are some options I'm just throwing out there. Um, now, why? All right, go to the next slide here. We've been talking about, and we're just going to wrap this up this week and next and kind of transition into kind of something next, about being apprentices of Jesus. An apprentice is someone who learns from someone else to understand not only how they do things, but who they are in character because that's part of how they do things. And we're apprentices of Jesus. Anyone's a follower of Jesus. We're not just Christians who have our ticket to heaven. We are apprentices of Jesus. Jesus was looking for apprentices. He was looking for disciples. So we want to be the kind of people who grow not only in uh, character, the character of Jesus, but Jesus said that we would do the things he did even in power in terms of the power to forgive, the power to heal, the power to set people free. It's not magical power, but spiritual power. One of the things that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, in a lot of these last number of months we've been talking about things from the Sermon on the Mount, was fasting. And again, it's one of those things. I grew up in a church where if I, thought, if I heard of anybody that fasted, I thought they were a religious nut or, or a way almost a fanatic. Or at worst, uh, they were just kind of out there. I mean, that wasn't even an option in the church. Where I and probably in yours too. Fasting probably wasn't even talked about in any kind of way. But we're going to talk about that today. Um, and again, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking, teaching about this is the kind of person you can become that can do the kind of things I've asked you to do that can be full of the life of God, full of joy, full of energy, full of passion. And you can be the kind of people who will change the world the way God wants it to be. Not a, not a you know, legalistic rulership under God, but a joyful uh, existence under the influence of Jesus. That's what, that's what Jesus was talking about, these kind of people you could be. So he talked about all kinds of issues, how to deal with your anger, how to deal with your sex issues, how to deal with forgiveness, all kinds of things. And then he talked about, uh, in one section, about prayer, about fasting, and about giving. And uh, here's what he says to start with. Go to the next slide. This is Matthew chapter 6. And when you fast, okay, so this is Jesus getting, giving one of his talks to the group of apprentices in his little band here. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. All right, keep in mind, Jesus was talking about this because 
over on the side as he was talking were the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders, the hypocrites. And they fasted, but they fasted to impress people. It was an image management deal. When they fasted, they made sure they knew they were fasting so they would be labeled as other spiritual people. When they fast, they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they're going to ever get. In other words, the only reward they're going to get is people are going to be impressed with them. That's it, period. In other words, God's saying it doesn't mean anything to me. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting. Except your Father who knows what you do in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. All right, now, so we're not going to focus on the hypocrite part of it, although, it, because I, fasting is probably not as much a part of your life that we, you've been yet tempted to make it a hypocritical thing. I mean, when, you, you know, when you're fasting, you don't necessarily go to people, hey, I'm fasting today. You know, I really, I'm really hungry, but I'm not going to eat that pie. Thanks, anyway, because I'm fasting today. I mean, that's not the intent. Um, although you will feel that temptation to let people know, I'm, and I'm not saying nobody should know. I mean, if you're Mary, you ought to tell your wife you may not be eating dinner that night. Don't just show up at the table and say, I'm sorry, I'm fasting. I know you really made this great meal. I'm sorry, but... I mean, you may have to tell some people. Um, but the point is, it's not something you, you know, make it a point to impress people. But what's interesting is, the clear assumption here is that Jesus... is that, says, is that we do fast. And he says that, uh, you know, the, the statement I'll say is he expects us to fast. Jesus expects you to fast. Now, again, this is not a legalistic thing. In the time of Jesus, there were expected fast days. The religious leaders, it was like Tuesdays and Fridays or Mondays and Thursdays. There were certain days of certain groups that was expected they fast, and it became a legalistic and image management kind of issues. But the way Jesus is talking about it to his disciples doesn't say, oh, don't fast. That's only for the image management. He says, no, when you do, don't do it to impress people, but also realize when you do, and when you do it kind of in that secret place of your heart, it says your Father will reward you. Something, something from God is going to happen in a good way. And it's not reward you like you're going to get extra points. You know, but he says when you fast, and in Matthew 9, Jesus is talking about um, some people come to Jesus and say, Jesus, your disciples aren't fasting. They're not following the traditions. And Jesus says, basically, he says, you know, while I'm here among them, they're not going to fast. But when I leave, when I go to the Father, then they'll fast. So he never wipes fasting off the slate as a spiritual practice. But yet he, it seems to be up in the... So Jesus does expect us to fast. And again, um, the Bible is full of people who fasted. Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Anna, Paul. Um, there were certain days of fasting that were required in the Old Testament among God's people. And again, the requirement was not meant to be some legalistic, you better do it or you're not a good person. It was meant to do something that was going to unleash something of the goodness of God for the whole sake of the people. The Day of Atonement, one of the, you know, Yom Kippur, the special days, was a day of fasting. There were all kinds of... Um, Jesus fasted when his, during his time in the desert. And then throughout the history of the church, men and women have engaged in practices of fasting. Now... Let's get back. To, let's go back to the. So Jesus expects us to fast. Okay, now if it's not legalistic, and if it's not just to earn points with God, why? I mean, God doesn't ask us to obey just because He's God. I mean, He does at some point. There's usually a good reason behind what He's asking us to do. First thing I'm going to say is this: uh, when you fast, you're going to experience freedom from "I want it now." All right. Any of you who have 
been hungry before, which is probably all of us, and if you have fasted before, which could be some of us, maybe a large number of us, you know what's happening when you're hungry. It's like something happens to your whole being, and that becomes the focus of what, okay, i got to find a hamburger. i got to find a McDonald's. It's after midnight. Nobody's open. Where do I go? White Castle, I guess. I don't know. I mean, you settle for anything sometimes because that hunger is driving you because right now you need something. I want it now. You know, Paul in Philippians talks about people that were enemies of God whose God was their stomach. And he wasn't making, Paul wasn't making the point that eating's a bad thing, if you go to a nice restaurant. No, what he was saying was, when their body says eat, they eat. When their body says anything, they obey their body. Remember that? Was it a Sprite commercial? Obey your thirst? Remember that? Obey your thirst? Um, their, their thirst and their hunger becomes their God. What their body says to do, they do. Thirst, hunger, sex, arguing, getting your way, greediness. He's saying enemies of God are people who obey what their body says to them. And so there's a sense that when you fast, you experience freedom. You begin to experience freedom from, I want it now. I tell, I tell guys who struggle with sexual issues, pornography, um, sex before they're married or outside of marriage, and they say, what can I do? To, what, can, what, what can I do? How can I break? The whole? I'll often encourage guys to fast. And they're like, fast? I'm talking about sex, not about McDonald's. But what I say is, and it's, it was helpful for me in my journey in that area, you learn to say no to what your body's saying you have to have. And you kind of, you're training that part of your soul muscle in a, in a situation that has some degree of safety to it and a buffer. It's not a sin to eat, but if you can learn to tell your body when your body says, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. If you can learn to say no, you're starting to train yourself to realize my body is not the boss of me. Hmm. Maybe there's something more. The Spirit is the boss of me. The Holy Spirit in me. Jesus is the one who rules my life. And what? And maybe you're somebody that loves to get your way in an argument. All right? That would be me. Fasting can help that because you learn how to keep yourself under control when you don't get what you want. We don't get your way. Fasting can help you grow in learning how to be good, kind, and strong even when you don't get your way. I will guarantee you, if you fast on you know, a whole meal or three, you will be irritable. Because when you don't get your way, we're all irritable. But you learn those things about yourself. When you fast, you'll experience freedom from the I want it now. And see, the challenge is the Christian life promises us liberation, freedom. And it's freedom from the I want it now. And Paul says in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What he's saying essentially is what's crucified in you is that part of you that says, I want it now in my way. So fasting is one thing, a practice that can help break away that hold uh, that your body has on you. All right? So when you fast, you will begin to experience some degree 
Not, not that fasting for one day is going to set you free of all sins you've ever dealt with, but you begin to get insight. The Holy Spirit gives you insight and some understanding, and you start being able to move some steps forward. All right? Now, um, on this, I remember one time, and I, <clears throat> there's been times where I life, my life where I've been in practices of fasting on some kind of a regular basis. One time in particular, I was working in another church, uh, actually here in town, ECC, one of the days I was usually, I was in the habit of fasting every Tuesday. I'd go from dinner Monday to dinner Tuesday. And I usually was cranky. And sometimes I still did coffee because I'm not sure if I could go without coffee. But i got to deal with that separately with God. So, um, and, I, and sometimes, just, this is just some pointers too. Sometimes I'd fast. If you haven't ever done it before, sometimes I'd fast and just I would still drink things like juices. And a friend of mine said, well, I drank steak in a blender. You know, it was a Jew, you know, whatever. But, but sometimes you just... You know, carry a water bottle around, and sometimes when you're fasting, even water tastes bad. So you might want to squeeze a little lemon. It's just a small pointer. Seriously, because water tastes funny. You taste everything in the water when you haven't eaten for a while. Anyway, but I was fasting this particular day in uh, in my office, and lo and behold, that day for lunch, the women's ministry was having a pitch in right in the hallway outside my office door. I mean, they were eating somewhere else, but the food was—I mean, literally—it was. Eight feet from where I was sitting at my desk. And I thought, this is great. You know, what is, what's this all about, God? And so I walk out, had to go to the office, make a copy, and, you know, I'm walking by desserts and stew and chili, and I'm just like, okay, I'm really hungry right now. I haven't eaten since then. Go back and sit down, and then I started to rack. Oh, you know, it's here, so maybe it's okay that it's here. God maybe must have wanted it here. And, you know, I am being legalistic about fasting, I am kind of hungry. And again, it would not. It was not wrong for me to eat. Period. But your mind starts playing. I'm being kind of legalistic. This is kind of silly. It's not going to get me anything. It's not. What am I doing fasting anyway? I'm trying to impress other people. I got out and I, I think I grabbed. It was a, some kind of dessert, some cake. So you're thinking you're hungry and you had cake? Yeah, I had cake. But frankly, after I ate it, I just thought well, I was. I was really kind of discouraged with myself. So I thought I settled for a piece of cake. And it wasn't that I wish I would have gotten this chili instead. It was more of, God, I, 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 don't, have what, I, I don't have any strength in me to say no to things. And, you know, and I, you, you know, I beat myself up for a few minutes, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to fast the rest of the day. Although in some cases when I've done that, I've said, well, now that I've done one thing, I'll eat a whole plateful. And you're gonna, you're gonna, you will be tempted in those ways, and you will fail, and you'll kind of beat yourself up because that's what Satan wants you to do is to say, see, that's stupid. Stupid even to try. But don't give up. You will make stupid, you know, don't give up. Teach your body to say no. Because you want the Spirit of Christ to be in control, not your body. Now, second thing. Uh, when you fast, you will experience increased awareness to God's voice. You see in the Scripture, when people fasted, whether it was a day of atonement or times of repentance, times of mourning for sin... In the early church, they fasted when they were about to select leaders or decide where to, where to go next on their mission. They're not fasting to earn points with God. Let me make sure that's clear. You do not fast to get some extra assets in your God Likes Me account. If you're fasting for that reason, for that matter, if you come to church for that reason or you pray for that reason or you put money in for that reason, if you think you're earning some 
goodwill with God that he's going to have to pay you back next time you buy a car so you get a really good deal because you've done some good things for God. Therefore, his point, you can cash your chips in. If that's why you fast, it's the wrong reason. Don't fast. But when you, but semi-conscription, when people fasted, they were fasting not to impress God with, look how repentant I am. I'm so hungry. They're fasting because they're wanting to become a little more aware of what's going on in the invisible world. They want to become a little more aware of how God understands and sees their sin when they were in times of repentance. They want to become really aware of what God might be saying in terms of wisdom about what's next in their life. It's wise to consider some degree of fasting when you're about to make major decisions. Not because God owes it to you, but because something begins to become a little more aware of what else is going on in the world beside the physical world. Jesus said, you know, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Food doesn't sustain you ultimately. It's, it's the life, the voice, the speaking word, the bread from God that sustains you. And so fasting gets you more in tune, if I can say that way, with something else that's going on. Sometimes when you fast, it's God's way of helping you see things that you need to kind of take some change in. Sometimes it's fasting because you want direction. Um, and again, another time earlier on when I was, this was when I was in seminary, I said, first I had ever tried, a, I think I tried, I was trying like a 36-hour fast. I think I might have made it to 30. I'm not sure. And then you feel bad about yourself all the whole thing again. And I, and I decided to go camping in a state park. It was up in Illinois. The name of the park was Starved Rock. That's where I went fasting. There was no, there was no intentional pun there. It just that's where I went. And I remember, so I thought I'd take a hike. I could do something. I'm going to hear God. And after about, I don't know, four or five hours, I was really, really irritated at the weather. It was too hot. I'm sweating. It's too hot. I'm tired. And I, and I, was, I was blaming everything for why I was angry. And then it was almost at one point when God said, you know why you're irritable? Because that's coming from inside of you and not having food to kind of cover it over and comfort you. Some real stuff's coming out. And that's stuff you've got to deal with. And I'm oh, no, no, God, it's because the weather's bad. And no, no, God said, no, no, no. It's because it's coming out of you and you've kind of covered it over with the comfort that, you know, hamburgers and chocolate cake give you. So when you're fasting, realize that some of the, there will be stuff that starts coming out that is you. It's not somebody else's fault, it's you. And again, it's not, the point is not to feel bad about yourself or to feel accused. The point is that God wants to set you free, but he may, you may start seeing and hearing things about yourself that you weren't quite sure, but now you're like, ooh, that is me. All right? So that's part. So you hear God in that way. But you also hear God in some really incredible ways in terms of wisdom. And there's times where my wife and I have kind of engaged in fasting to some degree because we needed some direction. And it seemed like we were much more in tune. And not that God wouldn't speak otherwise, but I'm not sure we would have heard otherwise. God always speaks. He's always trying to help. He's always willing to give us wisdom. So there may be times. So when you fast, pay attention to what else is going on in your inner world. Whether it's things you're seeing that God, you know, if God brings these random thoughts to mind while you're fasting, maybe they're not so random. Maybe it's something he's been trying to help you see that you just haven't been because you've been covering over things with food all the time.